Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening, I'm Jim Sims, and welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning show in our 13th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting African Americans. And good evening, I'm William Hosea. In today's special broadcast, you will also hear about events of interest for the African American community all in the next hour on Bring It On. But first... There are certainly vibrant, contentious, and bewildering times in American politics. <laughs> Can we say that three to times real least. fast? Yeah. But whether in the local, state, or national arena, the horizon is changing in politics, and the implications could not be more serious. One major discussion point surrounds an anticipated voter backlash in this November's national midterm elections. Also, the contention surrounding Indiana's primary senatorial contest featuring Mike Braun, Todd Rakita, and Luke Messer is remarkably contentious as these three are vying to face off with incumbent Joe Donnelly. Additional current <clears throat> events include the efforts by the state to take over the school districts of Muncie and Gary. Also, a long-standing debate over offender voting privileges has yet to be resolved. Related to these and other relevant issues is a concern over how we leverage and harness the black vote. The black vote. So joining us to unpack these issues are Mark Fraley, chair of the Monroe County Democratic Party, and Indiana's own Dana Black, deputy chair of the Indiana Democratic Party, and Robin Winston, accomplished business leader and a skilled political strategist. So... Mark, Dana, and Robin. Yeah. Welcome to uh, Bring It On. Thanks for having us. It is a pleasure be, to be home, and my second home in Bloomington, so thank you for having us. <laughs> and actually, uh, Robin is going to be joining us in just a minute as soon as we can get the connection on, right. on the telephone line. And, and with these two strong Democrats in the room, I expected a drum roll, actually. <laughs> there should have been one. And confetti, right? And confetti, because that's how we do. We're a party. Right, right, right. Close the town, call the mayor. So, uh, Dana. Yes, sir. You do this Power of the Black Vote, black vote presentation, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, after the events in Alabama, mm -hmm. I started wondering what the Power of the Black Vote is in Indiana. So can you walk us through that? Please? Absolutely. So um, we, uh, we had one so far um, in conjunction and in collaboration with the uh, Indiana Democratic African American Caucus um, and the state party. A couple of reasons why. One was when we were out getting our platform information together and, and we visited different uh, sites within the state talking about what our Democrat platform should look like, uh, a, re a re reoccurring theme happened and that was black folks felt like the party didn't show up until it was time to ask for votes. Um, so that was a motivating factor to say, wait a minute, let's get in front of folks before we start asking them for votes. We need to be present. We need to be hearing what they're saying. Um, and the second part is um, exactly what happened in Alabama, right? Alabama, the, when, when it looked like uh, 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 the wrong guy was going to be elected with a nefarious past, it was almost like uh, the black women in Alabama, I liken them to my mother, who is a, is a Southern woman, um, and sh she used to tell us when we go out in public, don't embarrass me. And I felt like the, the women in Alabama were like, no, you will not em embarrass my state. And they galvanized people. Uh, the the African-American community in Alabama is about 35%, so it is significantly higher than it is in Indiana. Yeah. Indiana is about 9%. We started out in Marion County because that's where the, the, the largest population of African-Americans were. Plus, I needed to start at home to make sure I knew what I was doing. 
We have about a 25% um, population there. But you really don't win anything in Indiana unless you win Marion County. And so that's how we shape it. We shape that conversation. Forget about the 9% in the whole state. You don't win anything without Marion County. And there's 25% of African Americans who are registered voters that can swing any statewide election. So that, that's why we talked about Power of the Black Vote. One, to let folks know. You know, we care about your issues. We, as a, as a party, we care about the, uh, uh, the African-American issues, and we need to be in your face telling you that. And the other part is to know your own power and, then, and not to be discouraged at the 9% that we see and some of the gerrymandering that we see. So you said don't worry about, don't focus on the 9%. It's the 25% in, in uh, Marion County. I'm not. Really no, I'm saying difference. don't get discouraged by don't it. Get discouraged you, we by still it. need those votes in in, uh, in South Bend and in Bloomington because every vote counts when you talk about a statewide race. So, does the 25 percent in Marion County uh, can can you say uh, so goes the the other parts of the state as a 25 percent in Marion County? Typically, yes. Now. This past election was a little different. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You know, this this one yeah. didn't work out so well uh, because, you know, uh, folks turned out in ways that we, you know, none of the polls predicted yeah. what we saw. Um, I was on the ballot. And so it didn't it didn't turn out the way we thought it would. This 2016, it was an anomaly. Let's just call it what it was. Just like 2008 was an anomaly. You can't look at 2008 and say that's how Indiana's going to go because Indiana went blue. Yeah. So, you know, there are anomalies. However, when you look at a statewide race in 2018, um, Joe Donnelly won, you know, uh, Indiana by well over 100,000 votes. So think about how powerful that is for the rest of the state. Okay, um, <coughs> and Mark, I'd like to bring you in on this as yeah, well. Absolutely, and, and thank you, Dana. That, I, you know, <laughs> in that, that few minutes, I learned some things. <laughs> um, but but my That's question is, and and it's hard to even envision that nine percent, and we're just talking. I'm assuming population, not so much registered voters. Correct. Okay. Correct. But if we're talking nine percent, it's hard to to envision that swaying anything. Um, so my point, and of course here in Monroe County or Bloomington, right. we're what, 3 to 4%? Right. 3.6. Uh, so how important is it to build allies um, in, in order to focus on a particular candidate, um, right. and particularly those that are supportive uh, of things that are important to the African-American community? Uh, well, um, yeah. but, no, I mean, I think yeah. it's incredibly important, and I think one of the things that Dana mentioned earlier that I think that really hit the nail on the head uh, is that, you know, sometimes we're perceived as only showing up when it comes time uh, to come time during the elections, and I think that we need to make sure as a Democratic Party that the most important thing right now is not the quantity of black votes, but the quality of black lives, and we need to be committed every day as a party, all of our elected officials and the people who are representing the party to be able to make sure that that happens. If that's the case, then we're going to have a much easier time during the election time being able to turn out those votes. But the most important thing that we can do is is uh, use our power wisely. Use When we do get elected, use it in order to be able to improve people's lives. And I think that that's uh, really at the core of what's at stake here. Okay. He said it the best. I mean, I, that, and that's the whole mission that we're on. Um, as Deputy Chair for Engagement, m my whole focus is how can we improve the lives of Hoosiers? Um, and we look at issues and we talk about those issues, but we have to make sure that we connect the dots. A lot of times people don't necessarily understand how policy impacts their lives. So we have to connect those dots for people so they can understand it. Mm -hmm. It's not just these wealthy guys, these wealthy, rich, white guys, right, <laughs> that are out there running and asking you for your vote. They are creating policy that impacts your life. And why is it important for you to know exactly who is running for office? You know, Saul Alinsky used to say uh, that there's no such thing as apathy, just bad organizers. <laughs> and I think that there's probably some reality to that. Absolutely. So I think we have uh, Robin Winston on the line. Robin, are you there? Robin, are you there? I'm here. I had my phone on mute. I'm here. Okay, awesome. Thank you for joining us. Um, how much of that conversation did did you did you hear? I heard all of it. Okay, great. So we were talking about the voters in Indiana, the 25 percent in Marion County, and the nine percent statewide. How does that? You're in Kentucky, right? No, I'm in. I'm no, I'm here. I'm in Indiana. Oh, okay. Why was I thinking you were in Kentucky? Anyway, no matter. So what, what are your thoughts on, uh, on the discussion so far? 
Well, first off, uh, I'm a former chairman of the Indiana Democratic Party. I uh, was the chief of staff in Louisville, so that might be where okay. some of the things got garbled. Um, I believe that uh, that energy is what you heard. Um, I approach this from a different angle in that, you know, I remember being chairman of our party, and they wanted me to take a delegation to the National Convention in 2000. And the DNC said, Robin, if you can get us five African-Americans and one Hispanic, we'll be happy. We Instead, we sent 28 African-Americans and six Hispanics. So 34 of our, of our 88 delegates were people of color. Uh, IDAC, wow. that uh, Dana mentioned earlier, had never had funding from the party before. We gave them funding, or we gave the organization funding, um, because, quite frankly, I was an African-American state chair. So what you're hearing is energy. That's the most important thing, because without energy, people are not going to get excited about going to vote. If you combine energy with then knowing what the heck to do once you have that energy, which is what has happened to our party and uh, other folks since 2016, is, okay, I want to help. What can I do? There is no one set answer. It is to, I ask, I tell people when they call me, what do you want to do? What are your talents? Where do you think you can do this? Because just throwing somebody in and say, go for a neighborhood walk, and they don't know anything about the candidate or their issues, that's not, they're probably not going to show up. So mm-hmm. while we are 9%, it's in counties that, you know, Evansville has Connie Robinson sitting down there as, a, as the president of the city council. Um, you have Karima uh, up, in, up in South Bend as the clerk treasurer. So getting engaged and involved in the in the machinery of the party is important, but also not forgetting that our number one priority is to bring more folks that look like us to the table and have them involved. And I think what you're hearing is the energy's there, the motivation's there. There's no one set rule. When people call me and say, what do I do with these 200 women that just got back from Washington and they want to do something? I say, ask them what they want to do. Mm-hmm and how they can be involved in what they think. Because just telling them, come in and, and bring the bean dip for the holiday party, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you, have to, you have to have everybody involved to their limits. There's a lot of talented people out here. Absolutely. A lot of talented people. And we ought to tap all, the, all their strengths. So that's what I would say in response to that. Okay, and for the benefit of our listeners, um, that was Mr. Robin Winston, um, an accomplished business leader and a skilled political strategist. Um, and former and, chair of the and Democratic former Party. Former chair of the Democratic Party. Um, again, we learned some things Not on old. this show. <laughs> and I'm sure there's. Don't there's... make it seem like I'm so. I was, gov- I was chairman when Frank O'Bannon was governor, but I'm. <laughs> Not some old codger that doesn't know what's going on. We're still very active. So. Oh, oh no, no, no. Learn it from Dana and, and Mark. I mean, the, the activism. That's the number one thing is the activism. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, which is a great segue into. Um, are we able, and any of you can comment on this, mm-hmm. to capitalize on the swell of our young activists, um, our high school age, and particularly yeah. with, with the, some of the gun issues? Um, but obviously, if they're eligible and able to vote, there's yeah. going to be other issues we can capture with them. Um, how? Oh, it's kind of redundant, but how right. important is that? Uh, in, in, incredibly important, and I, I, I think that it's for a number of reasons. I mean, so number one, you've got a group of people uh, who are not necessarily even voting age yet, who are engaged at record levels, anything beyond those that I've ever seen. And it's not just uh, it's not just present with the gun issue where you've seen it being able to display it on a national level, but also, you know, in local politics. We've been working really closely with a lot of our uh, high school groups. In fact, right now, we've got a primary uh, election website that was designed entirely by students at um, Bloomington South. Uh, We've got people who are knocking on doors on a regular basis. We've got people who are uh, going out and showing energy that has been uh, an inspiration to uh, a lot of different folks that are that uh, that are out there and so I think that if there's anything that can really kind of uh, give us hope for that future to of of the people that are coming into the uh, political scene these days you know I think it's both the character the energy uh, as uh, well as just the uh, pure goodness that you actually really see coming out from uh, people despite all the nastiness that's been coming at them from adults. Mm-hmm. I I got another question I want to throw out there for everybody. Um, From what I have been reading and watching on TV, 
Republicans seem to be very dismissive of these students and their passion mm -hmm. and their mm -hmm. cause. <clears throat> so how how dangerous is that going to be in if, November? If I may, mm -hmm. it, when it comes to um, what humans need, when have the when has the Republican Party not been dismissive? <laughs> When 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 uh, when we talked about uh, voting rights uh, and, and the the rollback that's been happening over the last several years, they've been dismissive. When LGBT folks were talking about they wanted to get married and have equal opportunity and equal access, they were being dismissive. So that that's pretty much standard for for the course for um, our Republican colleagues. Yeah. They, they the, the human aspect of um, what what they're elected to office is all about. Um, second of all. Um, the, the, I think they're they're being dismissive to their own detriment. Um, these folks have have will have long memories, right? And we're creating a generation of folk who are like, you know, when are you going to look care more about me and my life than you do owning a weapon? Or, or an assault weapon. I mean, obviously, the Second Amendment protects everybody's right to own a, 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 a firearm. But they're asking the question of, you mean to tell me the NRA has got you on lockdown so much so that my life it doesn't matter as much to you as the NRA donation that you're getting? And they're reshaping and reframing the argument. Um, no longer is it just you want to take my guns. No, it's not a matter. No, Democrats have never wanted to take anybody's gun. Right. And I've, in fact, as after I started running for office, I met more uh, Democrats who were gun owners than I ever imagined in my life. What they are saying is, when are you going to be proactive about protecting my life? And and look at the Republican Party out of Washington. Most of them got their tax breaks, and now they're retiring. Right. They stepping aside. They're going away. And so, you know, they got what they wanted. They they got their significant tax cut. They, you know, super wealthy people, mm -hmm. and they they could care less. It's, it wasn't a concern. Now, what I do find interesting is most of these shootings are happening in all types of schools. So, elected officials, you have children in school. You mean to tell me you're not worried about your child? It's not relegated to any one type of school. It is every school, unfortunately, that could become the next mass shooting. Why wouldn't you be concerned about your own kids? Because they haven't been touched by that yet. Not yet. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you haven't heard, I mean, other than, who was it, Steve Scalise who got shot on the right. ball field, but I haven't heard about any of them having children who were exposed to, to that danger Yeah. And, yeah. and the schools. And if we could bring Robin in. Robin, um, you've been hearing that conversation. Um, the importance of young activists, um, uh, uh, particularly with voting and and. And I'm, I'm thinking about what motivates engagement overall. Um, what motivates engagement overall is, is access. Um, you know, what we're working for, we have a, a, a 501c4, and we tried to take on, and uh, ultimately we were successful, but not at the level and the time that we wanted. Marion County, Indiana, has one early voting location. Hmm. It's in the city-county building through a magnetometer, and I would challenge anybody on this phone call, I don't care what clout, speed, whatever you think you have, to find a parking place near the city-county building at 10.30 in the morning. Almost impossible. Then, then you make your way in there. You have to go through the same thing that people... Now, you can go around a side door, but you have to know that side door is there. You go right through a magnetometer, then you go in and you get in the line and you vote. And if you're pressed for time, maybe you just can't saunter out of your office. So what? before in 08, when Obama ran, there were three voting locations, one on the north side, not exactly a bastion of Democratic area. Definitely one in Southport, not a Democratic area, and then one in the city-county building. But after he won by over 120,000 votes, amazingly, they kept him open for one more year so they could vote for Eskenazi Health to have a new hospital built. But come 2010, it went from three to one. And who's been the biggest person voting against it? Of a three-member panel, two of which are Democrats, consistently the Republican has voted against that access. You heard earlier talking about gerrymandering. I mean, I, I like the comment. I don't believe, and I didn't believe as chairman, and we were very successful because we didn't believe that there's one answer for every single question. You do need, just like Dr. King needed activists, he could convey a message, but he still needed people out there that were active and being involved. We still need that in our party. And the, what we have to watch out for the youth in our party is that they don't run into some Byzantine, archaic system that will tell them there's no room for them. Absolutely. Right. You know, that's what we have to, you know, David Axelrod tells a story about 
going to see somebody, and they said, well, we don't take anybody that doesn't come from somebody, when he was trying to get involved in the daily political machine in Chicago. We have got to make sure that doesn't happen. And, and so, once again, I've encouraged young people. We have a program that we fund through the party. Here's what was happening before. They would pick 40 kids. I said, what about the 174 that didn't get in? Well, they're not in. I said, that could have been me. Could have been Dana. Could have been Mark. Could have been anybody. So we automatically tell 174 kids, there's no room for you in the party. Mm -hmm. So we extended that and kept that open. Now, 80-some of that 174 elected to still stay involved. But in the past, they'd have been kicked to the curb. So we have got to be inclusive. And we have to listen to what they want to do. And we have to adapt to what they bring. I mean, our staff run circles around me on social media. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Raise money. I have my strengths. Yeah. But so what I would say to you is when you act about the activism, I come from the angle of it's great to be active, but it's got to culminate in doing something or they're going to get burned out. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm fearful for those kids in Florida because, yes, for about two or three days, they were the life of the nation. They were on television. They were all that. And Tallahassee still didn't vote for the legislation they wanted. Right. Dana, you, you, you know, so like what we have to do is not is not let our foot off the gas. Don't say, oh, well, it didn't work, so forget it, and then then uh, then uh, then disappear. We got to keep. You can't be a student activist if you're not active, and we've got to make sure that we keep that activism alive. Yeah, yeah and, and the other thing I wanted to, to just to add to um, what Robin is saying, um, we as a party, we have to be more inclusive. So personally, when I ran for office in 2016, nobody knew who I was. I was just, like I said, some loudmouth chick with dreadlocks that nobody had ever met before, right? And why does she wear a tie? She's, you know, who is she? Where is she? She's kind of weird. Where did she come from? But the thing that I tell people all the time as they call me and ask me the same thing, you don't have to wait for permission to serve your community. You don't have to wait for someone to give you permission to say, yes, you can represent me in, in the party. See, I, I'm also of the adage, yes, our party needs to be inclusive, but sometimes you got to kick a door in. And stop waiting for people to accept you. If if we all think about it as African Americans, we we are often waiting for somebody to accept us. We where would we be? We would still be right, right. You know, picking cotton. We'd still be doing something we didn't want to do if we were waiting for acceptance. So I think also we as as with our young folks, we need to take on that mantra of I can be what I choose to be. This is the platform I want to do it in. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go make myself known. I'm gonna go put myself out there, and that's kind of how it happened for me. I'm still a rookie in the game. I'm still in my rookie season, still learning it, still trying to navigate. But the bottom line is, I have a passion in my heart to to look out for for Hoosiers and their lives. I'm not waiting for people to give me permission. I'm just gonna do it. Perfect segue to bring Mark back into the conversation because yeah, right. Dana mentioned earlier that uh, black folks mm -hmm. felt like. Demo Democratic politicians didn't show up until the right. for the elections. So, can you give us some specifics on how the party is is, is going to nurture that relationship and and gain the trust of the black community throughout the state? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that, and look, this is one of the most important text. Challenges that we have as a party right now is to not only win votes, but to be able to sustain the trust of every community. Uh, but especially with the African American community, I think that it's something that is incredibly important uh, because uh, the Democratic Party does have an, an an agenda that was something that will benefit all people. I really do believe that affordable housing is going to be able to lift up everybody to be able to have universal health care to be able to be able to protect social security and medicare but also to be able to go after issues that are directly of relevance to uh, the african-american community whether it's going to involve overcrowding of police or whether it's going to involve uh, i'm sorry the overcrowding of jails or whether it's going to involve policing all of these issues are important and it's important not so much that we just talk about them when we're on the campaign trail but that we actually deliver when we're getting mm -hmm. elected in mm -hmm. office there are perfect opportunities right now now on a local level, we've got the justice system is something that is going to be really up for a debate during this this current primary. We've got a, a contested pr uh, uh, prosecutor's race. We also have three contested uh, judicial races. Go out there, talk to the people who are running for these positions, and uh, and 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 really push them on uh, on a lot of the core issues that are of importance to the African American community. I think that we've got a lot of wonderful candidates out there, but it's important that we not only uh, hold their feet to the fire during the times of, of the election, but also sustain that pressure throughout the time that people are in office. 
So, Dana, you heard what Mark just said. Mm-hmm. Um, so that what he just talked about was uh, kind of the Democratic Party is responsible for. But there's a certain amount of responsibility that goes that that's at the feet of black folk in our community. So what is our job or what do we need to do to inspire black folks to get out there and become active and vote or run for office? Anything. So we have to understand that, um, you know, sometimes the issues and major concerns for the African African American community are unique. Um, I when I went with women's groups, and I noticed that a lot of women, um, those groups sometimes can be a little homogenous as well. And and reproductive rights are usually the the biggest issue in this. You know, specific, more specifically, our white sisters who are you know getting in the political process, and I have to remind the sisters. Reproductive rights may not be the top issue for African-American women. You have to find what those are for African-American women. It may be the fact that their son might be shot um, innocently. So you, you can't just dismiss the fact that even though we are all one party, each issue might be slightly different or the most important issue might be slightly different. And you have to be willing to actually acknowledge, address talk about, bring to the forefront what those issues could be that are unique. We know that the Hispanic community, when I when, when I had a chance to talk to um, some DACA folks, I was like, I know that, you know, immigration is important, but that's not the only issue in the Hispanic community. I need to know what those things are. And so we have to be willing to, to recognize that all black people ain't the same. We don't all have the same issues. We don't all have the same concerns. We all don't have the same economic background. And and we need to be willing to be to understand that we are as eclectic and as much of a kaleidoscope as any other culture. So stop lumping us all together and saying, well, you know, he said this. Don't you agree? Right. You know. So there's a couple of things. <laughs> understanding that what's important to black folks may not necessarily be what's important to white folk. And understanding that all black folk ain't the same. And can I add on to that? And I know that you probably want to bring um, Robin back into this. But, you know, when I was first getting my start in politics, I worked for an organization based out of St. Louis called the Missouri Progressive Vote Coalition. And uh, my job was actually to be able to run a voter mobilization effort focused on the entire African-American community throughout the state of Missouri. Just as Dana didn't know uh, why somebody wanted to be uh, was asking, what's this person with dreadlocks and, uh, dreadlocks and a tie doing here doing this job? Uh, I was asked the question. It's like, OK, why is this? Uh, you know, skinny white kid from a small town <laughs> doing this job. And I still don't necessarily have the answer to that question. But what I can tell you is that, you know, the people that were out there uh, doing the voter registration, that were knocking on the doors, that were going out and pushing people to the polls, uh, you know, we had an entire team of people that came from predominantly low-income African-American uh, neighborhoods. And one point uh, during the – this was uh, around the 2004 election season. One of my staffers, I just heard her – uh, start bursting into tears and she came to me and she said my son is in Baltimore and he just got shot in the face mm. and and obviously it was okay well you know you need to be able to go and deal with that she comes back four or five days later and I said why are you doing here you need to be out there uh, you know with your kids she's like no it's because of him that I need to be here doing this right, right. and if we have that many those people who are putting that kind of effort into uh, and, and to being able to put their personal lives aside in order to be able to make sure that we get the right people in office, then the very least that we can do is to conduct our politics in a way that's worthy of their expectations. Okay. Um, Robin, I know you're still there, and, and we'll change just a little bit. Um, we've been talking about um, being inclusive, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's it's not quite a buzzword, but it's one of the things that we hear a lot. Um, but it's been my experience that in order to be inclusive or to be invited to the table, that's not quite enough. There also has to be shared power. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not so sure many people quite understand that. Um, so just to be invited, so I mean, that's, it's better than I guess it was. Um, but to be, to be included to means to me to share the power which kind of focuses more on the local politics, which we'll get to in just a little bit. Um, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on, on, on that, Robin, what you think about that, the inclusive part. Well, I, find, I, I, have, I have worked hard to make sure that, uh, that we're at the table. But you have to understand why you're at the table, and you have to have 
a rationale of what you're going to try to do once you're there. Bill Crawford used to say, you know, if you're not at the table, then you must be on the menu. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is, is that we need to make sure that people are empowered enough to know what they're there for. Reaching out for for goals that are attainable. For example, we just the other day looked at the Indiana statute on abortion being rolled back. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's great. But we got to inform people that how do you think that gets rolled back? That gets rolled back because you have a Democratic president that appointed some of those Democratic federal or public court judges. Right. Connecting yeah. the dots. You know, what 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 is quietly going on right now in the Trump administration is the, is very dangerous because we are seduced each evening by MSNBC about what he wore, whether Melania smiled at the Bush thing. That's all well and good. But the fact of the matter is, once again, regulations are being rolled back, extremely record numbers of conservative federal judges that will be making decisions on voting rights, gerrymandering, busing, uh, funding for programs are being appointed. So I, I come back when I try to talk to high school students, I try to talk about things that resonate with them. So they have a reason to be inclusive. Rarely are they going to sit down and talk about the national debt. But if you start talking about student financial aid, you start talking about employment opportunities, the things that I think do matter that we have tested, and I have tested not only by polling but by being in the classroom and actually listening, I think that's one way to, to do it. But I still come back to what was said earlier, and that is, you know, we have to have a conduit for all of that energy. And Dana's exactly right. I've certainly done it. I've been, here I am, a former chairman, and still have people that uh, that we help are not always the people that are the anointed ones by a particular party, by, oh. our, by our party. Uh, what I ask my Republican friends, though, is this. As much as we malign ourselves in our party about you only see us at election time, I often remind folks you never see them at all. Right. <laughs> So, so it's one thing to say, well, you come around here, we only see the election time, and I invariably say, and have you seen any of these people at all, ever? Ever. Church? Right. Ever in your church. You're going to give us grief about, well, you all don't do enough. You know, if I was in a party and our nominee for president used the N-word to describe us as a voting bloc, I wouldn't be a member of the Democratic Party, not for one hour or more. Right. But yet they will stand there and let their president denigrate all, I mean, first the 16 people that ran against him, and they'll let them, they'll let them denigrate all factions and parts of our country, and they stick with them. And many other countries. <laughs> right, but they stick with them. So what we've got to do is say, look, everything is not perfect, but it sure as heck is a lot better than what the other guys are offering. Absolutely. That is true. And not, but they've but, but they got to have, you've got to ask them what they want. You got to ask them what they want. It does. I don't know what's in the mind of a 21-year-old or a 20-year-old person until I ask them, and a lot of times I'm shocked. And we can't malign what they want to be. So, I, in closing, right. we've got to ask people what they want. We've got to have a conduit for that energy. They may be on a phone bank, walking a precinct, because they care about climate change. Right. At the end of the day, guess what they did? They walked a precinct. They may not care about the long traditions of our party. That's fine. But some might be there for Title IX. Some might be there for any number of reasons. I've certainly listened and been surprised how well-versed people are in explaining why they want to be involved. We just can't deny their involvement. Absolutely. Okay, and and to continue this just a bit, I am convinced that most fundamental changes will happen at the local level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there is direction at the top and, and, and some ideology mm-hmm. and, and platforms, and that sort of thing, but the work is done locally, I do believe. Um, how do we harness that uh, and, and build relationships and build partnerships and allies, um, maximize the African-American and the minority, some disenfranchised votes? Um, what is the best way to do that locally? Well, with some of the successes that I've seen um, are uh, just being where they are, meeting them where they are. For example, um, even though Indivisible um, says that they are, you know, not party affiliated, mm-hmm. that most of their platform it lines up really well with what we're talking about as Democrats. Yeah, and so, liberal and, right, and progressive, yeah. right, right, right. And so, and so, what 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 we do is, is, is and and my role is okay. You, you please stay who you are. 
if you want to be indivisible, whatever county you are, stay indivisible, whatever county you are. But I tell you what, you know, you have resources that we may not have as the Democrat Party, and I have resources you probably don't have as indivisible. How can we work together? And so when and sometimes you can't come up with everything on your own. There's no one entity that's going to be able to, to, to fix everything. But if you have these local indivisible groups or these, you know, um, local resistance groups or, or whatever they are that are already doing positive things and they've attracted people, partner with them partner with them one of the things that um, I, I, I hope to be successful at rolling out and it's all about writing it up and convincing all the right people that it's a it's a good measure um, is t- turning our party from just the party of um, hey uh, will you donate to my campaign will you give us money will you give us your vote give me give me give me to a party of going down to a community and say well, what do you need from us what can we do to help you? And, and especially in areas where, you know, there are people who are, are afraid to admit that they're Democrats. And this is mostly in our rural counties where, you know, they're afraid to admit or can't admit that they're Democrats for fear of reprisal. Right. Craziness. Right. Craziness. I was in Miami County just this weekend. They're talking about people can't donate because their names will show up on the list and they, they could lose their jobs. We need to go in these communities, put our Democrat T-shirts on. And ask them, what can we do for you? Now, is it going to get us votes in 2018? Nope. Is it going to get us votes in 2020? Nope. But we've created relationships in those communities as because we're going in and we're helping. Because we say we are the party of the people. We say we are the party of the marginalized. Then we need to be out there rolling our sleeves up sometimes and, and doing the work that needs to be done. If it's, you know, doing a clothing drive in Scott County because the opioid addiction is so bad that these children are being neglected and we already know DCS is in shambles, why aren't we helping these kids who need help? Um, maybe sometimes uh, some of our farmers have run into a little bit of problem and they have uh, uh, barns that really need to be torn down. Why can't we just go out there and tear down a barn? I'm talking about physical work. I'm talking about rolling your sleeves up and getting busy because that's what that's what a, the, the Hoosiers are doing. They're getting out working every day. They're trying to make a living for themselves and their families every day. We as the party have to match them and we have to meet them where they are, but we have to do it and be proud that we're Democrats. All this shirking around and yeah. I'm a Democrat. No, no, we need to say it loud and proud and then when it is time in 2024, and we've created a generation that goes, well, I'm going to vote for them because they've been in my neighborhood. They've been helping us out. They've been doing positive stuff. And, and every candidate who wants to run as a Democrat should want to do these things because now you're connecting with the people who will be voting for you. So that's to me, that's how you do it, in my opinion. You get out there and you be where the people are. Everyone has a role, though, just like, just like Robin was saying. everybody. Uh, there's some people who are really good at fundraising. Some people are really good at organizing. You know, and some people are really good at just connecting with people, building relationships. And sometimes building those relationships means you got to get your hands dirty. I, I, yeah, I, you know, I could not agree more. I think that we spend a lot of time always thinking about the very next election or the next election or the next election. And really, sometimes the best use of our funds, the best use of building our grassroots infrastructure could be actually put towards building those relationships over the long term. Absolutely. One of the things that the Monroe County Democratic Party, what we did last year, we had uh, an entire year in which there was no elections, right? We get that once every four years. And I so remember that. We built... A, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> it was a long year. It was a long year. It was a long year. <laughs> Jim happened to be elected that year, but that's a different story. Hey. <laughs> You're the one person elected in the yes. non-election year, so <laughs> <laughs> we can actually be grateful for that. But, you know, we had a, a whole year in which there were no elections. And so, but uh, we had a lot of engagement. We had a lot of yes. energy. So one of the things that we did is we had an entire off-year uh, canvas program that we called Your Voice Matters. And the idea is that we actually just dispatch people out to, to, to neighborhoods to be able to go knocking on doors and to uh, ask people, what would you like to see out of your policymakers? Just have these open-ended conversations. And normally we go door-to-door and tell people to vote for candidates and we tell people, yeah, don't stay at any door longer than a minute. You want to be able to maximize the number of time. Here we wanted to maximize not the number of doors that we knocked on, but the quality of the conversations that we are having. So we went door-to-door and just be able to talk to people, ask them what their concerns are for policymakers. And, you know, if we had a person that was talking about, well, you know, I'm concerned about like this pothole that's over here, or I'm concerned about 
this uh, issue with the sanitation system, then we would actually plug them into the correct local elected officials so that we can uh, see that uh, the the real uh, locality of of government play a, uh, intersect with people's lives. The other thing that we did um, over the past years that we developed uh, that we turned our headquarters into a community organizing space. We started a, a, a project called Democracy Lab with the uh, help of Mayor John Hamilton to be able to allow organizations, whether it was uh, the Black Caucus or uh, Planned Parenthood showing up for racial justice, uh, our Latino Caucus, a Disability Caucus, uh, Democracy for Monroe County, several of these different organizations to be, be able careful. to Be careful. You don't want to forget I'm the, I know. That, I'm going to have to start naming everybody. If there's anyone that I forgot there, please know I love you and you got to check Party of the comment. people, baby. Party <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, and so all of these you know, organizations can I use our uh, headquarters in order to be able to have a meeting space, but also in ways to be able to coordinate, to be able to collaborate. Uh, and we also have a media lab set up that we're going to have uh, the opportunity for be able to, people to be able to record their own web uh, their own web videos, to be able to record their own podcasts. Really what it's about is the, Demo- is the Democratic Party can be able to create a space in which everybody can be involved. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Dana said sometimes you'd be able to have to uh, kick in a door. We want to make it, we want to preserve our doors. So let's open them. We'll, <laughs> let's keep them wide open. I agree. Come on in. We want you to be part of our Democratic community. And I just want to add one other thing to that. The other part of of, of getting um, black folk and anybody else involved is education. So w- we already know that um, public education is under attack on multiple levels. But one of the things that's happened is we stopped teaching civics in school. We stopped teaching how our government works in school. So a lot of people are disengaged because they just don't know. One of the things that we are, another program that we are working on, and I love it because all Democrats are doing amazing things in 92 counties. Trust no one, believe that. We're going to do a civics training class. And we're, again, another program that we're going to work with, IDAC. And we're going to go into those that live in, in Marion County. I know we'll be in the, in the, uh, the, the, the Meadows Y. And we'll, we'll have a civics training class. They actually had a successful multi-week training class in Hamilton County where they, where they you know, basically teaching you how the government works. I mean, we all have Schoolhouse Rock. Mm-hmm. And we know I'm just a bill. But we got we to gotta teach people how our government works, too, sometimes. Okay, great. That's why they call her Indiana's own. <laughs> I want to bump this up to uh, the state level. Robin, you're still with us, right? I'm still with you. Okay, so we got uh, Todd Rakita, Luke Messer, and Mike Braun really, really duking it out so they can uh, go after Joe Donnelly in, uh, after the primary. So let, let's try and look beyond that. So when we do get to the general election, uh, what are some of the major issues that that the Democrats and Republicans are going to face off on as far as the state of Indiana is concerned? Okay, so um, let's let's step back. Let's go back to the, the the political part of this deal. Joe Donnie needs to bring Barack Obama to Indiana. Thank you. Come on. Mm. Okay, that's it. We've done Clinton fifteen hundred times. I've got a spare room. Nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing disparaging at all about former president. But we have one guy that left us with our best uh, health care system ever, more jobs, and a stellar record on integrity, more diversity than ever before. He needs to be in Indiana, and I've told both the campaign and the candidate that. Going back to what Dana mm-hmm. said, we can't run away from history. That is history. And you want to know why there will be 25,000 people or 20,000 people at Wicker Park in Hammond on an election rally for Joe Donnelly because Barack Obama was there. Right. Yes. We have to remember, remember, in 2012, Joe won, but there were a lot of Gary precincts and Indianapolis precincts where I looked at the returns, and it would be 297 to 4. Because they were cranking the vote out for Barack Obama, and they voted straight, and they voted for Joe Donnelly by osmosis and supported him. Right. So let's not run away from President Obama. Right. That's what you're going to hear tonight in a debate between all these guys who I don't understand. I mean, clearly they're reading their polls that say 80-some percent of the Republicans still support Donald Trump. But they are overtly <laughs> saying Donald Trump. Right. Why are we not overtly—they're <laughs> overtly saying Donald Trump, who's under federal probe, and we got Barack Obama with a stellar record. We need to bring him back here and, and campaign and don't run away from him. We had Joe Biden, and we went to that. I went to that event that they had for him here. But it needs to be a campaign rally. As far as 
as at the state issues, I think it's, I think Dana's right. I mean, education. We do school referendums around the state. Education is like six out of ten of our tax dollars. But what was happening in education before? When we started on these things called referenda, nobody talked about the inner city. I mean, everybody thought it was going to be the inner city school districts that would be the ones in trouble. Now you look at Carmel, Hamilton, Southeastern, Noblesville, they've all done referenda. Yep. Because we're not funding it. We're not funding education to the tune of it. When we talk, so I hope that people will make education a priority because it has so, I mean, who'd ever think, if you Google right now, who'd ever think Carmel schools are talking about closing schools? Yep. You never thought that would be a headline. Yeah. But this isn't, mm. remember, we're talking about school takeover of Muncie or Gary. Carmel schools are closing. They're, they actually have said a couple of the elementary schools might have to close because of declining enrollment. Let me, uh, uh, because you've taken so much money and moved it over to the voucher system. So uh, there's education's one. Uh, Number two is criminal justice reform. And I was just reading something today that uh, uh, says student scores have been dropping when students transfer over from public to private schools. Overall, over the last few years, the scores well, have been declining. The, the, the sobering point on, on criminal justice is one of the precursors to determine our future prison population is how many of our kids... Don't I mean males don't pass the third grade reading test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's your precursor to what goes on. So ed- education relies on on back to criminal justice. Number three, I hope that they will talk about is leave people alone. My mentor in this was Maynard Jackson. Hmm. Their city of Atlanta adopted the slogan that said this the city too busy to hate. Now Birmingham at that point, if you know your history, was actually running ahead of Atlanta. But Birmingham decided to have Bull Connor and decided to not be a city that would be welcoming. We've got to be welcoming. Amazon, which is a future jobs, everybody's hyping it, has said another quality of life in your community for all people. Absolutely. Yeah. All people. So I do think it's an economic development thing. You can't throw up these barriers to people's lifestyles or personal decisions, and sooner or later you're going to have an impact at a national level. Leave people alone. Leave people alone. So that would be what I would say. I would say education, criminal justice, and just the quality of life of people getting along. I think that'll make a difference as we move forward at the state level. And when he talks about quality of life, and I'm, I'm glad he brought that up because um, our governor is really excited about the workforce development uh, bills that they passed. There were two bills that, that were passed. Um, but but the problem isn't that Indiana doesn't know how to train folks for jobs we we got some of the best colleges and universities and we have one of the best community college systems in ivy tech so that that, that teach trade schools training people has never been an issue for indiana retaining people has been an issue and when he says quality of life quality of life means we don't keep wages stagnant over the last 25 years so people can't actually pull themselves up and and also quality of life means that we have the 43rd we're 43rd in the nation in air quality that means if you have asthma and you live in Indiana, you probably should move. So if I can't even breathe and I, and I haven't been funding infrastructure like I'm supposed to, and I don't mean just roads and bridges. Roads and bridges are a part of infrastructure, but we haven't looked at our electrical grid. We still have rural communities without high-speed Internet. The quality of life is so much more than I have a job. I want to be able to... Evansville is a cancer pocket. Why is Evansville a cancer pocket? It's a cancer pocket because there's um, four super polluters, and that's measured by how many particles they emit into the air, are in a 30-mile radius. There's only 22 super polluters in the whole nation. Four of them are in a 30-mile radius of Evansville. So quality of life, I'm glad he brought that up because it's not just... You know, uh, I, 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 I got a job. I'm happy. No, it's how do you want to live? We don't have mountains, right? We don't have any mountains to climb. We don't have any, we don't have any real beaches, no oceans. So w- what is going to attract people to come to Indiana and make them stay here? We've got to fix these quality of life issues, including leaving people alone. I like the way he said that. Leave people alone. <laughs> Engage and leave alone. Um, <laughs> At the same time. <laughs> for the benefit of our listeners, we have with us this evening... Uh, Mark Fraley, chair of the Monroe County Democratic Party. We have Dana Black, Indiana's own deputy chair of the Indiana Democratic Party. And on the line, we have Robin Winston, who's an ex-Democratic Party chairman um, and a skilled political strategist. 
strategist. Strategist. I love it. Hey, just bring, it. just bring me along. I got you, bro. Invite, you. invite me. Just give me a little bit of power. <laughs> uh, well, don't forget now, you know, Robin talked about, you know, he was the former chair. That is power. Yes. But also Miss Cordelia Lewis, Burks has been a vice chair for the state party yes. for a very long time. This yes. is an African-American woman who has yeah. a lot of union and exactly labor ties. Right. Yeah. So there are uh, African-Americans who are at the table and have decision-making power. Trust, no, believe, you know, the problem is, is that, you know, um, we thought we worked in a silo and we, we are getting out of that silo. Yeah. You know, we're getting out of that silo. But there are there are people of color um, sitting at the table and she's not a part of a caucus like the Af- African-American caucus or the Latino caucus. Mm-hmm. She is the vice chair of our state party and has been so for for quite some time. And that's good. And and. Obviously, we could talk about, we could have three or four or five shows on this. Um, but to come out of those silos sometimes means you get smack dab in the face with um, issues of privilege, mm-hmm. um, some mm-hmm. institutionalized things. And, and so you have to learn how to navigate those and, and, again, find out who your allies are and where your support lies. Um, and property caps with, with regard to public education has mm-hmm. not been a good thing either. I feel for some communities who either couldn't or wouldn't uh, vote in a referendum for their schools and, and they are seriously hurting I think we're pretty well blessed here in Monroe County um, even though we could talk about some other things on, oh, on yeah. accountability and that sort of thing but we are blessed with that um, but one of the things the party that's in power when we're talking yes. about gerrymandering and, and things like such as that um, and the Democrats did it as well mm-hmm. over, over history um, sure. and I think that we've learned a lesson on that if we could get an, a, a non-objective group or, or, or courts or, or citizens to get a fair and objective um, districting, that's going to require compromise. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering how difficult do you, and um, um, and Robin, you can join on, on this as well, how difficult do you think it'll be for on the other side of the aisle compromise? Are we willing to do it and how much do we expect those um, in in dip disagreement or opposition to do as well. Well, I mean, I think that we're, you know, and we say we'll do it, and I think we do. <laughs> right, I think right, the other right, side right. they and, will. And I don't expect really Republicans don't, so. to give up anything. Well, yeah, I mean, the, you know, right now we're actually talking about uh, asking people in power to uh, uh, be willing to be able to give up that power or to be mm-hmm. able to share that, which is a, a pretty difficult ask, and it's oh, one yeah. of those things that's not going to uh, that's that's not going to come by easy. We need to really mobilize, and uh, as Democrats. We need to mobilize so much that we are actually in power in 2020 or that we're actually, you know, on the state level, I realize that we've got a huge uphill climb, uh, but uh, we really need to make sure that we are shifting the political landscape so that we have the ability to be able to make these decisions. And so that, you know, we can talk about what the proper way of doing redistricting is. It's been done in many, many different places in many different ways. We know that it needs to happen, but we also know that despite that, we're going to have some uphill challenges. Mm -hmm. And that means that we're going to have to be out there. Uh, yes, we need to be able to persuade uh, people to be able to vote our way, but we also need to make sure that we are out and uh, reaching out to a lot of marginalized groups, whether that's young folks, whether that's African-Americans, uh, Latinos, new citizens. We need to change what the uh, map looks like. We have to be able to reinvent the map using our own grassroots political infrastructure and not rely upon Republicans in the state legislature to be able to just willingly give away their own power. And, and you know the the biggest reason why the um, um, the the general assembly has been so reluctant to uh, even take on gerrymandering, it's come out of the house a couple of times, and I, I think sometimes it's symbolic because they know once it comes out right. of the house, it's yeah, going to die in the, the Senate. Senate. Yeah. And and why does it die in the Senate? The senators, it, it's forty one to nine. It's seventy to thirty in the House. It's a supermajority. It's forty one to nine in the Senate. The senators in the Senate say the reason why they are not interested in taking up uh, redistricting uh, as a whole is because they might have to compete against each other. Can you imagine that? <laughs> your whole you spend your, the whole point is to compete and run and convince people that your policies and you want to represent them, but they don't want to take up redistricting because you might redistrict this and we be in the same district. Oh my God, I'll have to compete against another Republican. See, to me, that's chicken. 
man. That's 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 straight up, you know, cowardice. They and why would we want these cowards to represent us if they can't, if they're not even willing to compete against each other? If your if your policies are on point, what difference does it make? Stand up and compete. Yeah, we we only got a couple I minutes left. That, uh, Go ahead, Robin. Say that um, it's okay. I would say that you heard the activism, and that's absolutely important. I'm also working, and we got it through the Senate this time, 39 to 10, basic things like an, a, a no-excuse absentee ballot bill. Yeah. We got it through the Senate. There's only, there's only nine Democratic senators, so you can do the math. Nine Democratic senators, but we got it through the Senate 39 to 10. It didn't go anywhere in the House. Now, mm-hmm. what does that mean? I called it my IKEA Parkway bill. <laughs> wow. People trying to go to vote in Hamilton County are stuck on the IKEA Parkway at 545. They can't make it home to vote. And unless they can vote in the morning, they're not going to vote. I'm talking about Hamilton County because I had to go, Dana, right at their base, not at, they didn't care sure. about person yeah. living in Center Township not being able to make it home to vote. I had to point out that there are people, if you look at I-69 or, or 31 or the mm-hmm. arteries into the suburbs around us, they're gridlocked. Absolutely. At, at rush hour. So that's that's a mechanic. We co- we closed the polls. I grew up in Pennsylvania. Our polls were open until 8 o'clock. They closed the polls here at 6. Mm-hmm. Think about it. With the working people that we've talked about, 6 a.m. So what do you do? You go to work early. I mean, you go to vote early, then hustle and get to work because you got to be there by 7. Well, that's hard to do. You, gotta, you don't get off work till 5. Can you get home by 6? Nope. So there are impediments that are just institutional impediments that have been put up that we've got to knock down while at the same time talking about just the fairness of the lines that are drawn but the, the lines are important but my gosh you know just think right now to be that be vote by absentee ballot you've got to meet more criteria mm-hmm. to probably be confirmed by the u.s senate so <laughs> it's, it's hard to be able to do that it's also hard to do it when the daggone poll closes at six o'clock absolutely and don't have to pick up have kids. To make a combination <laughs> of those, those two. Now, Marion County, uh, we talked about it earlier. We now have gone from one um, early voting location to a ton more, but they won't happen until 2019. Right. And there are going to be 300 vote centers across the county in 19. So much like your ATM, you don't have to be in your precinct to vote. You'll be able, if you're downtown, go over to a vote center, vote, and go back to work. That will help, I think, on turnout, but we've got to educate the public about them. Absolutely. Okay, how can we work together? I'm going to keep that. I'm going to keep that. Yeah. Uh, that was offered by Dana. Uh, I, I, <laughs> see, she's looking at me. Where is that from? See, <laughs> that's that's what happens when you do it. Some, that's not an some, interview some question. talk is. about it and some be about okay. it. Right, absolutely. Um, that's a, Hey, that's a, that's kind of like one of my slogans. Don't talk about it, be about it, because I come from that generation. You know you, what I'm saying? There you go. And okay. Dana's eminently quotable. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Well, l- ladies and journeymen, we have about uh, two minutes left. So I'd like to go around the horn and give each one of our guests a, a, a chance to communicate some final thoughts. Dana, please. So uh, being the deputy chair of engagement means that I need to get to where you are. Um, I My Facebook page is wide open. Um, I am easy to find. And again, I kind of stand out. I mean, I'm, I don't really blend in. If you want to to, to be engaged connect with me. My email address is D-A-N-A at IndianaZone.com. You can find me on Facebook. I want to help you be the best you you can be. So just reach out to me and let me know how I can help. We have a lot of work to do this year. Awesome. I'd like to point out that in 2012, uh, we put in one hell of a grassroots uh, energy. We elected Joe Donnelly. Uh, When we elected Joe Donnelly, uh, we put another seat in the Senate and and, uh, one vote in the Senate. prevented 24 million people from losing their health insurance, right? Yeah. Uh, because Joe Donnelly yep. w- was there siding with us from the very beginning. It's important to know that our grassroots energy is going to be uh, equally uh, important, if not more so, because we've got to build a firewall up against the Trump administration. So get out there, be engaged, contact Dana, contact us at the local party level. We want your voice and uh, we want you to be part of this effort. Robin, last few seconds of yours. Thank you back on what Mark just said. Watch the Republican debate tonight, and you will be in line to volunteer for Joe Donnelly. <laughs> <laughs> we want to thank Mark Fraley, chair of the Monroe County Democratic Party, Dana Black, deputy chair of the Indiana Democratic Party, and Robin Winston, former chair of the Democratic Party and accomplished business leader. 
Our show's producer is Clarence Boone with help from WFHB News Department Director Wes Martin. Our board engineer is Chris Martin. Our original theme music was created by Jamil Effiam with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I am William Hosea. And I think you're at the end. I am Jim Sims. Um, last thing before we go, I want to thank you both for being here and you as well, Robin. Um, very engaging show. And we'll just have to do this again. Yeah, All right. I'm down. Let's do it. Thanks. It's All fun. right. Pleasure. Everyone have a good night. Right. That's William Hosea. I am still Jim Sims. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.